Okay, welcome back, and it's a pleasure to welcome a new voice to the program. He is Alan Watt, W-A-T-T. Alan uh, was recommended to me by uh, several people, and I'm very pleased to be able to spend some time with him to get to know him, just like you will as well. He is an iconoclast, as it were, an unusual man who sees things very clearly, and I'm sure many of you will appreciate exactly what he has to say. It's it's great to hear a fresh perspective on things we deal with constantly on this program. We can never hear too many honest perspectives and uh, true insight. Uh, Alan, welcome to the program. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for asking me on. Well, it's, uh, it's my pleasure. And if you go to Alan Watts' website, just click on his name. It is cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Uh, you'll read something at the top, which I, I want to underscore because this is this is really important. Most of the people in the in the truth movement, whatever angle they're working, uh, who are sincere, who are honest, are not making any money at it. They're doing this basically out of their own pocket if they have many pockets to go to. And at the top of Alan's website, he has a, just a, a note here for people. It says, your support finances this information into existence. Each bootleg copy of the books, CDs, and DVDs starves the source into closing down. Your choice. I can return to teaching small groups in person in order to survive. I receive no payment for all the guest appearances on radio and TV, which are available for free download. So play fair, help the source. And I would underscore that. Uh, we need to all play fair and support people who are working on all of our behalfs to try to shake uh, the lethargy off what's left of the thinking American public, and uh, it's it's no mean feat. It's uh, it's a tough tour. It's a very tough task, and uh, Alan is one of the people working very hard to do that. Uh, so, my friend, you're here, and we're all ears, as it were. And, and cuttingthroughthematrix.com rather sums it up. When did you become aware of the great game that uh, that was going on? Not that it's a game of fun. It's a very deadly game. Uh, really, I, I uh, as far back as I can remember, I knew that things weren't as they appeared, even from childhood, just by observing adults and watching <laughs> yeah. and listening what the arguments were about. And being brought up in Britain especially, I, I, I thought, well, an empire apparently was ruled by London uh-huh. uh, for centuries and how come in all these working class areas everyone was just scooting by to buy to pay their rent their bare essentials right. they didn't have credit cards back then and wage well, slaves even then yeah sure. and yet when you're small you see and you visit your friends homes you're ignored by the adults so you can listen and every house I went into I could hear parents arguing about the same basic things. Alan Watt, the fly on the wall. Yeah. And, of course, um, it didn't take too long to dawn that you lived in a, a rigged system, where even the wages were rigged. You could go from one end of the country to the other uh-huh. in any occupation, and there was always a starting wage and a maximum wage, which had to be fixed and, and organized, too. And supposedly they called it a free market. So oh, it was yeah. an oxymoron. If it was a free market with all <laughs> kinds of incentives, right. they were not there. Right. Fixed wages. That's that should be the giveaway for anyone mm-hmm. looking at a, uh, a paradigm to uh, to walk into. You're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we have going on here is, uh, 
I guess if we, if we completely lose our sense of humor, we're finished. We have to laugh at some of it. It is, it is so despicable and, and so absurd. Alan Greenspan, and I have the story, I don't know if you happen to see it or not, just the other day, I'll try to find it, uh, said that uh, he wanted more foreign workers of technical skills brought into the country to lower the wages paid to American skilled workers because they were too high. Uh-huh. Yep. They need to equalize everything. That's that's his solution to uh, to people who work their entire lives to train themselves to become skilled and to get ahead. His solution yep. is to bring in more uh, visa workers from India and all over the world to work at one fourth the salary to knock that terrible wage that these people are earning down to a, a more equitable, shall we say, communistic level, which is what it's all about. This is all collectivism. That collectivism, it's a fascist elite. Uh, uh, a pathocracy is the proper term for them. Pathocracy. Yeah, they are very good psychopaths, ah. and they are they are hereditary psychopaths uh, that uh, grew up uh, or bodied up a long time ago, and and they breed with each other. And this is a an area of psychology that's been persecuted in the fact even behind the Iron Curtain when it was on the go uh-huh. uh, some of them then uh, had to ask how come these leaders always end up as utter butchers and then they went into a, a field of psychopathy psychopathy right. and realized and this wasn't a new idea they, many had studied Napoleon and other tyrants who came under popular demand and then went in a different direction and then you find out that uh, there's a fringe group in every generation of very intelligent people. Uh-huh. Uh, if they're born into families who already exist with power, uh, they are psychopathic and they, they hold on to their power. But they employ from the lower classes mm-hmm. of psychopaths, the bureaucracies and the military uh, characters to keep their power intact. And this is an area, as I say, that no one wants to touch. They have certain MOs in every era. They always have their wars ongoing. They always take a, what appears to be a moral stance. Yep. And they always turn their own countries into prison states uh, because they're terrified of the public. That's the bottom line with uh, pythocracies. Yeah. That's a great term, uh, pythocracy. You're going to remember that. The issue of blue bloods and uh, people of, uh, I'm not going to say uh, upper caste, but people of of money and power and greed and, and psychopathy do stay together, do breed together. It's all in the family. And, and for those of you out there, again, who are, are Al Gore supporters, that, that's fine. But understand that Al Gore ran with Joe Lieberman in the year 2000. Now, if that doesn't tell you an awful lot, you're not listening. Your ears are plugged and your eyes are closed. Now, let's follow that just a half step further and bring it closer to the Gore's family. Who did Al Gore's daughter marry? I've told you folks this before. Al Gore's daughter married the grandson of Jacob Schiff. Okay? It's all, if you don't know who Jacob Schiff is, Google search it. It's all in the family. This is one small strata of people in the Western world, and probably the Eastern world as well, who maintain almost diabolically complete control over billions of people 
and uncountable resources. It's extraordinary. So, again, these people play together, they stay together, they marry within their caste, and that's how they perpetuate it. Yep. Oh, here's the Greenspan story. Let me just read this for a moment, if I might, uh, Alan Watt, and uh, this is fascinating. Alan Greenspan is worried about... In, now, now, think about this. You know, all right? Think about communism, fascism, whatever label you want to hang out. They're a little bit blurry these days, but let me read this story to you. Alan Greenspan is worried about income inequalities in the United States. But before you jump up with joy that Greenspan is finally speaking out against the skyrocketing salaries of CEOs, hold your celebrations for another time. Greenspan's big worry is that skilled workers get paid way too much compared with the rest of our population. And judging by Greenspan's comments when he talks about skilled workers, he isn't talking about CEOs and other assorted corporate fat cats that earn multi-million dollar salaries. He is probably talking about you. Give Greenspan credit for one thing. He not only identifies our national problems, he offers solutions. Of course, if you happen to be a skilled worker, Greenspan's solution won't sound too appealing. The hero of the corporatocrats and the plutocrats wants to distribute your income into the hands of needy billionaires by using H-1B visa skilled workers to knock you off your haughty middle-class pedestal. Clever, eh? Here's, here's what Greenspan said. Our skilled wages are higher than anywhere in the world. If we open up a significant window for skilled workers, that would suppress the skilled wage level and end the concentration of income in America. Well, there you have it. Now, what do you call that, Alan? (laughs) Well, this is just the agenda. See, they've written about this agenda for years. Uh, Many of their own members have written about the agenda. These books are never made popular by the media, who'd rather have us focusing on what's happening in Hollywood. Um, but uh, the, the Brzezinski's, uh, the Jack Vitalis, who wrote about the unification of America back in 1990, um, and he was the Kissinger of Europe, Jack Vitali, he spearheaded the European Union. He said the next boat people leaving, uh, uh, traveling the world will be Americans leaving, looking for work abroad. That's what he said when they eventually bring the borders down. So you're oh. watching the global plantation come into view. What is his name again? Uh, Jack Vitali. E-T-T-I-L-A-I There's a man who was... uh, He wrote Millennium. That was about the uh, the American Union. Right. That's 17 years ago. Yeah. Um, So, it's all... They they don't really hide much anymore. They put it out there, but Mm -hmm. in the rush of media frenzied self-aggrandizement, most uh, Americans don't see it. Couldn't care less, really. That's the media's job. It is, exactly. It's a diversionary drug, and we'll be right back with Alan Watts.
Welcome back to our conversation with Alan Watt. Alan is a, a long-term researcher into the causative forces behind major changes in historical development. Born in Scotland, he watched the subtleties of politics and media as they guided the population of the U.K. covertly into a European amalgamation. He has been warning the North American people for some years now that the same process of amalgamation is being carried out. And boy, do we see it now. It is, it is right there rearing its ugly, multi-headed face faces uh, into our faces. Uh, Alan, it's called the North American Union. They've uh, rolled it right out and prod it, it's right there in broad daylight. Uh, it's no, no more subtlety, no more stealth. Uh, it's there, and they're pushing it, and it's it's coming. It's coming, and, and they prepared for years for any fallout from the American people by building up massive internal armies, myriads of them under different names, to deal with the problems which they foresee. Uh, Europe went through pretty well. They were fooled to the bitter end. And even when the, the countries voted against the European Union, they were told they were going to get it anyway. However, they didn't uh, do much more than, than complain about it, but they do expect some problems within the U.S. I was surprised, and remain so, and I did indicate that on a number of occasions in the past, and how easily Europe was steamrolled. I thought that the countries of the EU had more backbone. I thought that they had, well, certainly they had centuries and centuries of history, of artistic, literary, uh, scientific achievement. Uh, they had catastrophes like, like all nations, but my God, these countries were uh, almost treasures, each in, in their own right, in terms of their history, and, so, and they folded up like a house of cards. At least that's how it appeared over here, Alan. That's how it appeared. However... You see, what, what's, what was released after the Union was complete and the Parliament was set up, they declassified the documentation to do with the Union, which had been started. It had been signed, actually, in 1945 under the UN auspices. Really? And each country in Europe had a covert department, which uh, officially set up in 1948 with bureaucrats uh, working across the channel with each other and having annual meetings as they gradually set this up and it's stated right there when they declassified it that the public must never be told the truth huh. until it was all complete and finished that was a 50 year plan that was a 50 year plan a typical, these guys worked with 50, 100 year plans just like the Soviet Union did and just like the United Nations did and this is how it works you see and uh, first introduced decimalization into Britain many years before. I knew that was the start of it. Mm -hmm. They changed the currency, mm -hmm. and uh, and then everything went metric. And uh, and sure enough, each prime minister lied and lied and lied and denied they were actually uniting. That was their job because governments do not serve the people. They never have, in actual fact, never they will. serve a plutocracy of these uh, uh, psychopaths, basically. They're picked and vetted by them before the public even see them to vote for. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and on the uh, odd occasion when someone does get through who is unique, who is outspoken, who uh, doesn't want to play the game, uh, they don't get far or they're eliminated. Uh, that's the bottom line. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, because, once again, 
um, even the higher bureaucrats are take, they're given psychological examinations. They know they have psychopathic qualities and traits, so they're also picked because they will only serve their paymaster and they have no conscience as to what's to be done to the people beneath them. This is how this entire structure works today. Many of them, of course, are, are tricked, compromised, and then blackmailed or threatened with fame. Uh, the, the methods of control are, are, are certainly many, but uh, the bottom uh, of the issue is always one of control. When you boil it down, mm -hmm. you're talking about control. Yep. And they can control anybody they want at any time, and if they, they can't, they'll kill them. They uh, kill them, and also, if you go into Aldo Huxley, who was one of them? He was descended from uh, Sir Thomas Huxley, uh, who, who chose the main authors to write fiction and non-fiction for predictive programming purposes to get the public to go along with these agendas. He like chose H.G. Wells, in fact. Yeah, yeah, and Huxley said himself at Berkeley, he says, I don't see why a scientifically run dictatorship could not exist forever. He said the reason the elite in past ages failed is because... That they couldn't supply enough bread and circuses to the people. Ah. But it says under a scientifically controlled ah. dictatorship where they can get children from kindergarten and indoctrinate them scientifically, and then you get the culture industry which gives them their culture, uh, then it says it, it, there's no reason why it should ever fail. Who was it, Stalin or Lenin, who said, I don't, I don't care about your, your adults, give me the children and... Uh We'll take care of it from there. Yeah, he said that after, uh, in fact, uh, Ignatius Loyola also said the same thing. He mm -hmm. says, give him a child before the age of seven and I'll make him into whatever I wish. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. So, so this the is techniques never change because they do work, you see. Oh, they work perfectly. Cra cradle to grave now and the scientific aspect of, of world dictatorship, which I don't care what I mentioned earlier, labels. Labels mean next to nothing anymore. It's all about power and control. That's what power, it is. Total control. Yeah. Uh, it was Beria who was the head of the secret police in, in an old, old Soviet Union in the 1930s. And it was the NKVD. He said uh, at the inter, at the Comintern meeting, International Communist meeting, he said... We can now uh, alter the culture with an e upgrade every five years, where it used to take us 70 years to, do, to make one change. And, and when did he say this? 1933. Well, I guess that's about the time Tavistock uh, cranked yep. up its, its engines as well. <laughs> Social engineering, uh, Edward L. Bernays, of course, the father of spin, the father of mass propaganda, practiced by the Germans, but practiced just as well as the Germans did by practically every other so-called major power on the planet. The Chinese had a goal, the Communist Chinese, to put a television in every home by the year 2001, and I believe they met that goal. So they know. Uh, we'll talk more about uh, TV, perhaps, with uh, Alan Watt, among many other things, in just a few minutes. Glad you're along. Don't go away. Visit Alan's website at cuttingthroughthematrix.com.
Okay, welcome back. Talking with Alan Watts. Before we talk about television, Alan, on your website, uh, many of your listings on the left are, are topic-oriented, but you always have, uh, well, almost always have musical selections, a song or something which states the issue or at least leads the way and uh, further amplifies the matters under discussion. There's one that I ran into on, on uh, Google Video, written by Leonard Cohen. I don't know the name of the song. On my site? It's, uh, it's one of your... It's Reality Check with Alan Watt. It's... Uh, he has a few there. He has The Future. That was a, He puts it all into one song called The Future. Yes, that's what it is. Yeah, You Don't Know Me, mm-hmm. From the Wind. That's right. You Never Will... Yeah. You never did. Mm-hmm. I'm the little Jew who wrote the Bible. Yeah. I've seen the nations rise and fall. I've heard their stories, heard them all. But love's the only engine of survival. Yeah. Your servant here has been told to say it clear, to say it cold. It's over. It ain't going any further. And now the wheels of heaven stop. You feel the devil's riding crop. Get ready for the future. It is murder. Things are going to slide in all directions. Won't be nothing, nothing you can measure anymore. The blizzard of the world has crossed the threshold and it has overturned the order of the soul. When they said repent, I wonder what they meant. Interesting set of lyrics. Yeah, uh, Leonard, yeah, Leonard knows um, what's going on. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he's well aware. Uh, he's well aware of the culture industry's part in all of this because we we do have a culture industry. So did our parents that guided us all up to this point and gave us our ideas. We copy the fashions. We copy the sayings, the dances. Culture industry slash religion. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of what Leonard takes, too, is from the mysteries and the Talmud, because there's a lot of truth in there, too. And it's all to do with the inner religion of the elite at the top, because they do have an inner religion, which, uh, as uh, I think it was Bush Sr., when he gave his first New World Order speech on uh, 9-11, uh, 1990, odd, odd date to give it, and then he repeated it the following year on uh, 9/11 as well. Come on, he did. Yes, he did. Two, <laughs> no. What are the odds? What are the odds, folks? Yes, and we're supposed Jeez. to take this all as, as usual. And yeah. he said, that's when he said, "I see a new world order coming into view." But he, mm-hmm. he also added that it's all going to the heavenly plan. And they never explained to the public, and of course the media know not to ask what he really meant. Right. Um, he's given a high decree to the high order of occultic masonry at the top, the high degree type. Mm-hmm. And it's going to the zodiac. The zodiac is a time clock. And every figure they have in the zodiac has nothing to do with telling your future. That's the lower thing for the people to believe in. It's actually, um, uh, each, par- each part of the zodiac is part of the plan. And we're now into going into the age of Aquarius. Oh, really? Yeah. And that's the whole point of it. Uh-huh. Uh, during the age of Aquarius, why do you think the left... Why do you think they, they waited until recently to bring up the homosexual movement to prominence? 
And they certainly did that about 20, 25 years ago. It began on television with... What was that uh, old TV sitcom that with the first... Uh, two gals and a guy, and the guy was played by young John Ritter, who was he was yeah, homosexual. That's yeah. yeah, that was it. Three's coming. That was the one of the I, first one I remember seeing, which which pushed it. And I said, okay, like you did. Here it is. It's on. It's this is the first of an avalanche. It's coming. And then you had the lesbian movement, which I'm actually demonstrated for the rights of homosexuals. No one could figure this one out because they're all funded to do this. By the way, sure. Well, because in the age of Aquarius, CIA, Aquarius yeah. is actually uh, a, a male god who was the most beautiful boy who lived in the Grecian islands. And he was raped by Zeus. It's a homosexual rape and placed into the, into the heavens. And this is the time for the new man to come forward. Huh. That's why the age of Aquarius is, is what it is. They're also uh, portraying men and have portrayed males on television now, especially in these sitcoms. I, I have another word for them. But they portray them, of course, as weak and subservient to mm -hmm. uh, the domineering female. Yep. Uh, this, uh, this has become a feminist culture to a large degree, mm -hmm. uh, and elevating uh, uh, homosexuality, especially male homosexuality, has been a key component of this mm -hmm. for a long time. The destruction of the nuclear family in the United States with the, uh, the bread-winning male and the, the supportive and, uh, and steadfast wife and the children, well, that's over. That's, uh, that's really ancient history now. Uh, it's all gone. One month before 9-11 happened, it was in the newspapers, a little few paragraphs about an international censorship meeting. Now, most people think their own department of censorship for television, radio, etc., is to protect your culture. That's what we presume. We would. However, this was the, at this meeting, they stated we have uh, broken through the barriers for various rights for homosexual and lesbians, and that we're now pushing the next step which will be for intergenerational sex, and that will be promoted on television. And the following day in the newspapers, one professor in Toronto, one in, I think, Harvard in the States, both gave the exact same speech in different newspapers to back up this very thing. Huh. So our censorship committees do not work for the people. They're there to test the waters to see if it's ready to, to push the next part of the envelope. How low That's can it go? Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, we are guided. Our thoughts are not ours. Even those groups who think they're benefiting are being used to destroy the old, to bring in the new, which is a completely um, isolated individual in society with no small tribe to back him up, no family even to back him up. Mm -hmm. The government will talk directly down to you. And that's the end. That's, that makes it much easier for those at the top to control everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The issue of, uh, of dominance uh, is now made so easy. There are very few random events anymore. There are accidents, of course, but uh, in general, any large political issue or geomilitary issue uh, is usually well planned out in advance. There are a few resistors on the planet, uh, North Korea perhaps, although they are certainly the... Uh, agent of the communist Chinese in many ways. The Iranians, Saddam Hussein was one. The Taliban made the mistake of not saying yes sir at the right time. Uh, it's, it's, a, uh, it's all 
an articulated setup, folks. Back in just a minute with Alan Watt. Okay, back with Alan Watt, and go to guests at rents.com, click on Alan Watt, his name, and you go right to his website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. A lot of material there, uh, very interesting indeed. And uh, if you're not able to click on his name, just hit reload, make sure you reload that page uh, frequently. Things change often at rents.com, usually it's the news that changes, but we uh, often change other things as well. Alan, what about television and the media. Let's talk more about this. Our young people now are absolutely uh, reverential toward these really vile, hideous, vapid role models that are shoved down their little intellectual, mental, conscious throats uh, 24 hours a day. Uh, these people that are, are put up there as role models are, in, in so many cases, as you've indicated, uh, fully uh, deserving of the term psychopathic and mentally aberrant. They're certainly sexually aberrant in many ways. There are hardly good role models there for our young people, and it, that's what worries me with the government school system now uh, being as, uh, as crude as it is and as effective as it is with the curricula that it is offering. I don't know how our young people really have much of a chance anymore, do they? To be honest, they don't. Uh, in fact, the generation that's up and coming will have less chance than the previous ones because within every generation they've uh, targeted literally the brain through inoculation and it's a, it's a horrific thing a conclusion to come to but when you go through the history of the inoculations you come across people like Salk who gave us the polio vaccine supposedly uh-huh. and then you follow the rise of autism that followed in its wake and the amount, the amount of different um, learning disabilities these are all mm-hmm. uh, literally levels of autism and um, uh, then you, you couple in Salk's background. This man was a member of the World Eugenics Society. He was right in there. He was a believer, a true believer in culling off, culling back the lessers uh, at the bottom, which is always the fear of the elite. The, the amount of ordinary people will overwhelm the, 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 the psychopathic crew that run the world. Uh-huh. And uh, suddenly he comes out as the benefactor of society, yeah. supposedly. Yeah. Uh, and then you, you you find that they knew that there was over a hundred odd live simian viruses in every polio shot. SV40. And they also knew exactly what each one would do to the human body. Yeah. Then you come across writings by people like Arthur Kessler or Kessler, who worked for the elite. He worked for think tanks at the United Nations. His job was to find ways to, to fight to, to bring viruses or bacterium or chemicals to, and guide them to specific parts of the human brain to lobotomize them. And he said to lobotomize that part of the brain that makes you you, your higher 
critical and uh, analytical capabilities would be gone. He said, this must be done to the general population for world peace. Then you go into his history before he worked for the United Nations and New York. And this man was a, 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 an officer under Stalin who tells you in his own book, The Ghost in the Machine, that he helped to bring on the, the starvation, the, the massacre of millions through starvations in Hungary um, under the orders of Stalin. Uh-huh. And he put down to historical necessity. It had to be, that to be wiped out so they starved them to death. And he felt nothing. Well, the man never changed his whole life because he was a psychopath. And he truly believed uh, to, uh, that his job was to find ways to lobotomize physically every ordinary human being on the planet. And he, he said that his team at the United Nations was only one team working on the same problem. He says, we have the methods to do it. We can target any area perfectly. All we have to do now is decide where to keep it, to keep using inoculation, add it to the water or the food supply. And his own book. Right. Well, yeah. like I say, uh, no stealth. It's really all out there. They, they don't hide it. That's the bizarre part about this. They just know that very few people are going to go looking for it, and even those who find it will have very little success gaining any kind of a media access that, uh, that, that through which they can publicize it. And, and who's going to believe it anyway? Well, that's what uh, Brzezinski said in his own book. But Brzezinski's a big player in all of this. You find the same people never retire from being advisors to governments and presidents. That's their job. Right. Being good psychopaths, they have certain skills. And look at the crew in Washington now. How many it's, of them have uh, been there for decades? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, you've you got a real crew of uh, top-grade psychopaths there yeah. who've been behind many wars and many murders and they sleep well at night like good psychopaths, and they don't need sleeping pills. Yeah. It's amazing. Theory. I have uh, up at uh, featured stories at Rens.com a number of very important, uh, an excellent uh, lineup of stories and material that I would urge all of you to read. Uh, one of them is uh, particularly fascinating to me because I've been aware of this for quite some time. And as you know, Alan, and as many of you folks know, when you see it in print, and they talk about uh, they're experimenting with, uh, that maybe someday they'll be able to do something. It usually means they've already done it. It's, already it's done old it. news. Now, the ABC News story is entitled, Erasing the Pain of the Past. Scientists are developing, read, developed, have developed, drugs that could eliminate traumatic events from our memories. I'd take it in a second, said Sergeant Michael Walcott, an Iraq war veteran, referring to an experimental drug with the potential to target and erase traumatic memories. Walcott, who served in a Balad-based transportation unit in Iraq that regularly took mortar fire, now suffers from PTSD. Since returning to the United States two years ago, he has been on antidepressants, and that's another major tool, by the way, of global control and governance. Uh, and in group therapy as he tries to put his life back together and heal from the psychological scars of war. goes on from there, but the bottom line is that uh, they are now on the verge of formally announcing medications that will help people forget. Now, it's not hard for you to imagine where this is going to go. Talk about the old communist term of rehabilitating someone, Alan. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Uh, it started after World uh, Korea, in fact, with a, a psychiatrist.
psychiatrist who became famous in the industry for bringing out five-minute um, post-orbital lobotomies. And he performed them on American troops coming back, five uh, one after another in huge lines. And he could do it by inserting a probe round behind the eye and literally cutting part of the frontal cortex. Five but minutes. They've been at this for Jeez. a long time. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, amazing. Well, yes, we are... Uh, certainly chemically, on the doorstep now of formally being able to alter the brain's memory, uh, I think you know where it'll go. Uh, they'll do it uh, next with electromagnetics. Uh, there are many people now who believe that that technology already is uh, extant as well, that they can get into the mind, change it, alter it, and, uh, and so forth. There will come a time not too far down the road when people probably will be given the choice uh, by the courts of uh, going to prison for 20 to 25 years or submitting to a chemical lobotomy. They won't call it that. They'll call it something else. But that's what these drugs basically are all about. Uh, it's already been done in Britain in some cases where they mandate in court a ah. chip in the brain. Ah. That's there. It's here now. Yeah. Well, there you go. This is all really being unfurled at an incredible pace, Alan. I, I honestly didn't think... I knew, not perhaps with the uh, the articulation that you've been uh, viewing life, but I knew that things were going in a very, very uh, depressing and, and uh, morbid direction for a long time. I did not expect it to be rolled out this quickly. They have to. They have to because they have a time schedule. They, they have a window, and they've got to jump through it. They have to. Uh, if they let it go on too long, there'll be too much opposition from the ordinary people sure. uh, who start sharing intelligence. And right now, they've got so much counterintelligence to wrap it up into weird areas mm -hmm. to divert them. And uh, But they know they can only hold this for so long before they start to lose it. So they must give us crisis upon crisis as they ram it all through. Sure, and their their step, uh, of course, is to uh, push push ahead a mile and then retreat an eighth of a mile if they have to and, and back off. But they've still made enormous gains every time. Uh, three steps forward, uh, you know, yes. uh, two steps back, whatever. You're still ahead, and even if you're falling on your face, you're still moving ahead. So uh, they just don't know backwards. Mm -hmm. that's, that's right. And it's a massive machinery of coordination from the top down through all their employees, the, bureaucr the bureaucracies, uh, methods of control, they all work this, uh, together and, and try to mesh this all together at the same time. And if, if something happens and a whole area is out of sync, they start to lose and they know this. So they're right. very edgy right now. It is uh, amazing to me to watch again the electronic media in this country and how powerful it has become I pulled the plug on uh, television you know, almost 19 years ago now I don't watch commercial television I don't have commercial television I do see it occasionally uh, out and about uh, and what I see uh, is appalling to me the imagery the, uh, the commercials the uh, pacing uh, I remember 20 years ago watching children's so-called children's television and being Stunned even then, having come from a background in television news and production. The commercials then, Alan, uh, they had in a 30-second commercial sometimes between 50 and 60 different scene cuts, and none of the scenes were static shots. They'd all be moving shots. 
So you have this visual amphetamine diet that children are fed, and then, of course, the audio would be fast-paced as well. And so these kids are, are literally strung out on speed, audio, video, speed, and then they're going to class at the age of five and expected to sit still yeah. uh, after being fed a, a huge dose of sugar for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Nutritionally uh, depraved food. Uh, it's not even food. It's something else. It's a product. Uh, this is all anticipated. And then they they did what next? As we go to our break, they decided to name this disorder ADD or ADHD. Yeah. And then they did what? They introduced drugs to cure it. Uh, this was all planned. Uh, Alan yeah. Watt. No surprises. All right, stand by. We'll be right back. Another hour to go with our conversation tonight with Alan Watts. on things. Uh, many of the views, of course, are amplifying what we've talked about for many, many years. Alan, what would you like to discuss, Sarah? That uh, I don't want to lead the conversation all night. You've got uh, much to talk about. I think people have to realize that everything which they take for granted uh, as their culture was literally meticulously planned for them from the top, from professional people. Uh, this was stated by Lord Bertrand Russell back in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. when he said that we, the elite, must uh, bring in the big Madison Avenue crew that can do marketing and market culture straight to the people. Now, they'd already been doing it for long enough, but, but less scientifically, and they thought they could bring the specialists in to give us our opinions. And sure enough, everything is marketed to the public through fashion, through music, through, through entertainment, um, even through the novels you read. This is not new. In the late 1800s, uh, the Rothschilds set up foundations for novelists to start to they would fund them to write specific uh, stories concerning even future space travel. And this was all together to go along with this particular idea of thought, so that when it came into view way down the road in the next century, it would seem quite a natural road to have taken. That's called predictive programming long term. Uh, everything that, that we are fascinated by, in fact, is, is marketed to us. And we think it's our ideas, even the music. I mean, I used to be in the music industry, uh, in the studios, and, and writing mm-hmm. for, for different groups and individuals. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it all. I've seen how it's produced, how it's, how it's uh, made, what is to be promoted. It comes down to the grapevine 
um, what's politically correct to to push to the youngsters, and every writer gets the word. Um, there's nothing that happens which we take for granted in fact that isn't decided, planned, and debated by think tanks. Now this uh, goes. This excuse me, Albert. This goes back to uh, Dr. John Coleman's book on uh, the Committee of Three Hundred and Tavistock, and and he made it quite clear that the entire psychedelic rock music era with the Beatles and so forth was uh, no accident. Uh, people laughed and said, what do you mean? The Beatles weren't working for the, the globalist elite. Mm-hmm. No, but the music that they were producing was certainly given fast track and was, was quite good at the time. It was as if the actual times were structured to accept that kind of a sound rather than the other way around. Yes, it was. And in fact, it had been tried before, you see. It, initially, they tried to start the, the disruption of uh, family life by bringing promiscuity back in the late 1800s. Once again, it was the tutor of H.G. Wells who put that forth, uh, that free love must be made um, a big part of culture for the youth. So in the 1920s, you had the Roaring Twenties, you had a miniskirt for the Charleston dance. Yep. You had the, they made the booze cans very attractive places to go. They brought cocaine in at the same time. But the fallout from it all was massive unwanted uh, pregnancy mm-hmm. and uh, venereal diseases. And that's when the boys' towns and all the, their orphanages suddenly opened up and they, tried, they didn't have the, the freedom of abortion clinics. So we had backstreet abortions. Mm-hmm. So they went back, they repackaged it, they waited their time, they tried the jazz first through the beatniks and drugs. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. didn't take on in Britain, but it took on in Europe. Um, and so then the repackaging came back with what they called the pop industry and then the rock industry so father was pop you see and then you have rock the foundation of the builders you got it and and rock so they brought in the the drugs again at the same time a new type of music the miniskirt again but this time they also started pushing the pill birth control birth control and abortion and they had penicillin for the for the for the the basic venereal diseases so that was the second, the second launching of that whole yeah. thing. It didn't work the first time. It got mm-hmm. out of control. Yeah. But the same thing was brought back, uh, repackaged with a, a scientific uh, veneer, as it were, mm-hmm. and it worked. It worked. And they used professionals um, behind the Beatles uh, and other ones to, to make those records. Um, mm-hmm. y- you know that the Beatles never, ever owned the rights of their songs. Theo Adorno owned them until he died. Uh, Theo Adorno is a fascinating character who, who really was a student of the dialectic, the Hegelian dialectic, and uh, amazing mind, but he was also psychopathic. His Don't name again that. is uh, Theo? Yeah, Theodore Adorno, professor of music at the uh, University in Germany and eventually uh, in London and, a- and New York. A-D-O-R-N-O? Yeah, Adorno. He owned all the uh, the, the rights right. to the Beatles' music. And then, in the, I think it was in the eighties, he died, and uh, Paul McCartney put a bid in trying to to get some, and Michael Jackson outbid him. So at the present, Michael Jackson owns them. He owns it's called the Beatles Songbook mm-hmm. or catalog. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting, very interesting. Well, the whole pop culture, psychedelic. Well, I'll tell you this from from. Uh, the music of that time, uh, it it worked magnificently. Mm-hmm. The, the results, I think, probably exceeded their 
fondest expectations. They introduced LSD, they introduced uh, marijuana, cocaine again uh, came in, and is, uh, there's more cocaine in this country than probably any other kind of narcotic yep. or drug I understand now. But in the 20s, I've seen uh, in the 30s, uh, Hollywood starlets, uh, they had uh, high-heeled shoes, and in their high-heeled shoes, they, they put their cocaine. I mean, it yep. was very common uh, back then, you're right. Mm-hmm. And in uh, straight-laced England, uh, I guess things... Uh, that, that was a strange thing, the late 19th century, uh, where the parlor was the uh, the entertainment stage of an entire culture, and illusionists and magicians and all kinds of metaphysical things were, were very much in vogue, and look how they've come back, too. That's right. You see, they, they had to launch initially... See, they had a lot of men in the upper middle classes into what they called Freemasonry, um, higher masonry, more than noble orders. And they had to get a, a middle class to bring in the middle class bureaucracies they needed to run the next part of the phase. So they brought the lower orders of Freemasonry into view. And in the, in the 1800s, late 1800s, they had to get women in as well, especially middle class women. So they brought out Madame Blavatsky and trained her to go out there and be mysterious and attract women. Um, all in preparation for the coming century, in fact. And Blavatsky said it. She said that her mission was to blend uh, Christianity with uh-huh. Hinduism because they wanted to destroy Christianity. That was the last vestige of the old culture. And sure enough, the, in the 1960s, all of that was brought forth. The Beatles were told to go over to India. At that time, they had millions of fans who mentally followed them. The bookstores across the U.S. and Canada suddenly, and, and the U, uh, Britain, became flooded with New Age books on Hinduism, uh, tantras, and all the rest of it, and yoga, and and that was the start of it. So it took a hundred years to prepare that whole phase. Somebody emailed and asked uh, why they plan over such long periods of time when many of them won't be alive to see the results of it. Because they are the builders. If you understand even the the, the Masons, the, the real Freemasons or, or Stonemasons of the Middle Ages, or mind the architects, they would plan cathedrals, massive cathedrals. They could take five or six or seven generations of Stonemasons to complete. These are intergenerational families who plan the future, knowing their offspring will take over and make it be, as they say. That's remarkable when you think back about... Uh 20, 30 years ago, what was going on and what's going on now. I, I, I really I, I feel very sorry for our... I'm speaking in generalizations, all of you know that, but I feel very sorry for our young, youngest people. They are going to grow up in a world and they'll not know, they'll never know uh, the kindness and the values and the gentleness of, uh, of our youth, uh, the way things were. They're going to know only crime and violence and overcrowded urban areas and uh, nonstop noise, drugs, diversions, uh, lack of accountability, no responsibility. Uh, they'll know that uh, if one does uh, seek to achieve independent study, independent success, very often the peer group will tear at them viciously and pull them back down because they don't want to be left behind, and it is a threat if someone is different. So I've never seen such self-policing uh, in my life among young people. These kids are uh, are just regimented to the teeth. Well, the elite themselves understand that amongst the, 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 the people beneath them, the commoners, as they like to call them, uh, 
in every generation there are people who have an, a higher intelligence who understand what's happening and they, they say that certain types of individuals are their worst problem the masses are easier to control however uh, that's why they, they declared a war in, officially on individuality uh -huh. that's their main enemy uh, that's why in schools everything is groupthink now Sure. You're not allowed to have an indip uh, independent decision or opinion on something. No, no. It's in fact, good the class will, are yeah. taught to shun you if you do. And they do. And I'm, uh, I've taught high school for a couple of years uh, in California. Uh, it was about 15 years ago, and, and uh, we just couldn't do it, even then. And now, uh, having some uh, teacher friends and so forth and friends with kids in high school, it is grim. I don't have to tell you folks that out there who have kids. What do you do? You homeschool, but then your kids are going to be ostracized too. And even if you put them in wealthy private schools, it's it's the same TV, it's the same pop culture, it's the same Us magazine, People magazine, same trash. And listen to their music now. It all sounds almost the same. It's uh, just amazing. Back in just a minute with Alan Watt. Now, here we are, after the turn of the century, even before the new millennium began, we had the age of the Internet, Alan Watt, and it continues to explode and uh, push in so many different directions, at once appearing to be a great forum, a, a new or perhaps last bastion of free speech and freedom of expression, but in reality, it is an incredible tool, again, of manipulation, whenever there seems to be uh, any progress made. Uh, there are, of course, agents, provocateurs, agents, disinformation, agents of all kinds uh, turned loose on the Internet, working for uh, big corporate interests, government interests, uh, intelligence agencies, you name it. The Internet is a jungle, uh, in my humble explanation uh, uh, estimation as well. Uh, and I don't know how people can actually be expected to walk into it and come away with any honest information without a great deal of, uh, of research and intuition. I mean, it takes more than that, and that's one thing I think that they are trying to breed out of our young people, and it's, it's, it's that inner voice, that intuition that we all are born with. They don't like that. They also know that if the parents aren't aware of reality themselves, and uh, this is a mammalian thing, all mammals look to, towards the apparent or parents for what they should be warned about what they should be afraid of. If the parents don't know to tell them, be on the lookout to watch education, not everything you're told is true, sure. uh, etc. Well, the, parents, the children will accept everything they're born into as normal. And they do. And they do. They don't question whatsoever. In fact, deep down, if you, if you really ask them, they'll say, well, the adults wouldn't allow it unless it was okay. 
That's what they tell you. And that's what the adults say. Well, the government wouldn't allow it unless it was okay. The, yeah. the FDA wouldn't allow me to eat this unless it was okay. The U.S. Department of Agriculture wouldn't allow us to eat this beef mm-hmm. and other tainted uh, commodities unless it was okay. This this idea of passing the buck and allegedly trusting authority is uh, is probably the biggest lie of all. It, it certainly is. And Zygmunt uh, Brzezinski in his book, Between Two Ages, talks about the coming this com- coming communication that they would give to the general public he didn't say internet but that's what uh-huh. he's referring to uh-huh. sure. and he said it will be given uh, and promoted as a fantastic tool of information but he said in reality it will be a device of control it will be a, a standardization because through the, this particular device of communication you could create a, a new global culture but also it would allow the people to put all information on the computer and and the authorities would have an instant retrieval of everything Total. each individual was yeah. doing. And, yeah. they ha- and that's what they have. And they'll give up, as I say. They'll take three steps forward and a step back. They'll give up a step back, uh, and people will be able to publish the truth on the Internet, but they're not worried because they have, they're holding nearly all the cards. So well, they actually said they called it information wars before yeah. they gave it to the public. In other words, they didn't wait until there was an opposition of people with knowledge uh, after they gave us the internet they already had trained teams and individuals thousands mm-hmm. who would put up sites big yeah. fancy sites who would yeah, invite yeah. people in and then guide the, the, the people below uh, there's, there's big sites out there giving out what seems to be some factual information but it's mixed with incredible disinformation so the big boys don't wait until there's a problem they foresee it because they have think tanks working always on problems that will come up in the future no they don't play catch up at all and they no. have they have uh, access of course and have always had as long as we've had them access to supercomputers and they run yeah. uh, models all the time they're they're constantly running scenarios mm-hmm. we call them war games in a military sense but they're running uh, any kind of uh, situation you can imagine into a supercomputer. They know plus or minus two or three percentage points how any given event is going to play out in advance. Uh, mm-hmm. They know what the public will tolerate within, you know, a few reasonable percentage points. This is really a scientific effort, and it, uh, as every year rolls by, they make quantum leaps further into total control through the Internet. They're now talking about making all America a wireless internet hookup so you'll be you will not be able to escape it i mean literally and you have palm held uh internet uh, terminals now i i just it's mind-blowing what uh, what can go on it, out it's there it's a training exercise step by step to the final thing which will be the brain chip which will also be controlled by all the the little um uh, microwave towers that are all across the city. Yeah, they now. call them they call them cell towers, but they're they're multi-purpose. Believe me, they'll be they able are. to do lots of things with these. Yeah. And uh, first, uh, they'll give up. Uh, uh, well, they won't give up. They'll offer people the option of giving up their keyboard. How would you like to give your keyboard up? I have to speak into the they, they, they could do that right now if they wanted to. And yes. then after that, why even speak when you can just think it? And mm-hmm. all the, 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 you can see all this playing out. It may take well, 50 they, they years. Had the, they had the, the meetings, the global meetings on the brain chip at ah, Loyola yeah. University. Yeah. And they said, it's ready to go. All we have to do now is convince the public right. step well, by step. To it may take 50 years. It may, but again, they've got the time. They but have the, the time. At, at the rate things are going, I, I, I wonder. Uh, the, the so-called... 
Uh, we have a break coming up here, Alan, but when we come back, we might spend a little bit of time talking about the, the Patriot movement, uh, at least in terms of, of 9-11 and efforts to expose the monumental psychopathy, which is now uh, running this country, and, and, and the Western world, as it were. And I'm not going to spare the Eastern world either. It just uh, looks a little different over there. Uh, stand by. We'll be right back with Alan Watt. As we continue, I'm Jeff Rents. Glad you're along. Do visit our website at rents.com. That's R-E-N-S-E dot com. Uh, we try our best to bring you the best from the world of news and information by which you are encouraged to think and make your own decisions. So I do present lots of conflicting material. No, I don't buy into all of it, but I think it's good to read things that you don't necessarily agree with to try to shake things up a little bit. We'll be right back with Alan in just a minute. How do you counsel people when they uh, sally forth into the land of the Internet? I, I, I find most people are already on it. I mean, in terms of... All right, let's, let's talk about people who are already on it but who are confused. I mean, I have uh-huh. never seen more yeah. smut and mud-flinging and character assassination and slander and libel and discrediting and fighting and disinformation in my life. I mean, it is... It's daunting for people like you and I and others who make our livings really on the Internet to a large degree. But my goodness, for the average uh, person, it, it, must be, uh, it must be quite a challenge. It is. The problem is, uh, and, and elites decide this, and, and it's like Albert Pike said, talking about the coming revolutions. Remember, we've gone through many revolutions. Most of them are bloodless. Uh, the sexual revolution... Um, uh, the feminist revolution uh, even the pop revolution uh, mm-hmm. these are all parts of the alterations of history and Pike said we always give the people their leaders we give leaders to all factions and so I tell people be very careful not just to, to follow someone uh-huh. uh, like a pie, piper um, there are people put out and, and it's always been done even prior to the internet to lead people who seem to yeah. speak for you, but lead you off in circles and, and nullify any effect that you would have. That's their purpose. And some of those people, I might uh, hasten to add, don't even know they're being used. They're just egomaniacal morons mm-hmm. who know how to play word games and uh, yeah. spout recorded sentences and, and how to whip people up and down and so forth, and they're used. Uh, their and their careers are fast-tracked. And, yeah, right. Albert Pike said some of them are just useful idiots. He said. There you go. There you go. Uh-huh. And they tend to be the best ones because they are often sincere. The most passionate. Say. Yeah, they sound sincere and people buy it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
so I tell people, look, you are your own champion. Mm-hmm. They've got to start remembering that, regaining that inner power that they have. They are each person is their own champion. In this culture, you're always taught to look for a hero, and Isn't that the that's truth? the game. Yeah, yeah. And we are our own champions. Everyone has power to speak out, um, to petition, to to demand. In fact, even right to your school level and go to your school board and demand to know the histories of these people and uh-huh. the associations they've sworn allegiance to already. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you'll be surprised. And you have that right because you're voting people in over you who are going to have authority over you, so you have the right to know everything about them, including all the oaths they've taken and to what they've taken those oaths to. What so when you it? find they're all internationalists, they're all into... A one Freemasonic group or another, which are all uh-huh. one at the top, <laughs> and who are all globalists, by the way, yep. uh, then it, it starts to make sense as to why you have this massive network across the world, all making the same rules in education and every facet of your life, and you, even your local councils, all making the same little laws and rules at the same time. They're all, we're already global. That's the thing. They just haven't told the general public. Do you but think we have the right to, to demand that, to know that. Oh, we do. Uh, and I, I, that's the best kind of activism that we can practice, individual and local. Mm-hmm. Uh, get after it. Do we, uh, do we think the, uh, the world has now been, with the exception of Iran and what was Iraq and North Koreans or a few holdouts, do we think the world has largely been... Uh, Harmonized, they say, as they say, or homogenized, as I That's say. That's right, standardized. Yep. There you go. And that, that includes communist China, that includes... Uh, although communist I, I, China was set up by Britain. I, of course it was, a hundred and how many years ago now? Yeah, they uh, set it up. They funded ago. it. Uh, Bertrand Russell, Lord, Lord Bertrand Russell, was sent over there to teach in the first universities the whole idea of communism. He writes about it in his own well, memoirs. First, first they drugged the Chinese and turned them into opium addicts mm-hmm. uh, uh, in the middle of the uh, 1800s, I guess. Yeah. East India Company, and then they went over and, and uh, gave them culture. Yes, and Al Gore and Bush and all these boys made millions because their, their ancestors made millions in that very opium war, all the boys from Yale University. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Do we see, and I think we do, a measure, maybe it's a last gasp, but maybe that's why uh, Bush is probing in Eastern Europe and, and uh, well, specifically Czechoslovakia and Poland with his so-called anti-missile system. There is now very provocative uh, geopolitics being thrown in the face of uh, Vladimir Putin and the, the uh, Russian general staff. Uh, is and The oligarchs, of course, being... Uh, Allied, if not uh, downright run by the Rothschilds and so forth, and the globalists in, in the UK, uh, do seem to be at war with Putin. There does seem to be some nationalism there. Of course, nationalism is, is anathema to globalism. And I'm wondering what your take on Russia is right now. I think it's just another setting up another straw man in case they need to bring out another big bad bear ah. uh, in the future. Uh, you know, it was before World War II. Um, there wasn't much said about communism. During World War II, suddenly Stalin became Uncle Joe through all the yeah. propaganda in the yeah. U.S. Yeah. And then immediately after World War II, they needed another enemy to tax us all and to protect us from. And so he was bad old uh, bear again. Well, they always have an enemy. 
uh, on standby in case they need them. But they're all working in cahoots together. The same global bankers lend to every country, and uh, and they're all internationalists. You cannot have in this day and age a man doing his own thing at the top because it's so easy to assassinate him. Well, Putin has supposedly survived at least six or eight documented attempts to take him out. The uh, the Chechen war, of course, largely bankrolled by uh, exiled Russian oligarch uh, Berezovsky, who calls himself the the father of the Chechen revolution and all that, uh, to try to to continually uh, bleed and drain uh, Russia. At least that's the surface of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, the thing is, too, um, when you go back into the British Home Department, uh, the strategies, before World War One, they talked about the Turkish problem because the Ottoman Empire ran yeah. at least at that the time. The sick man of Europe. And then they went into uh, the Soviet, the, not the, the Russian. There was just too many little... Uh, countries over there in the Baltic countries too and they had to standardize them all quickly to get a standardized culture education system uh-huh. government system uh-huh. and so it was decided to go ahead and finance communism the fastest way to bring them all together by force leave it for about 70 years and then pretend to give them independence you, you found you had the same setup then across the whole country uh-huh. as Britain which was called democracy mm-hmm. uh, this ongoing plan, but they also said their final battle would have to be against the Muslim countries to bring them in under the same standardized system. How long have they been saying that? Oh, they've been saying that since uh, Churchill wrote about it mm-hmm. uh, just after World War I. Mm, in the 20s and there. Okay. Alright, Dan, they're certainly setting the stage for that now. Uh, it's non-stop. Yeah. Back in a couple minutes with Alan Watt. Oh, and the uh, controversy over the, the film... 300, I shouldn't call it a film, but a major propaganda effort, of course, which paints the uh, Iranians, uh, known as Persians, as the, uh, the big bad guys on the planet right now. Be right back. does uh, stupefy one who is able to see, and those of you out there are many who can see what's going on. We are being assaulted literally from every possible angle, Alan. I can't imagine one angle that our senses are not being probed and uh, measured and tested, if not toxified by something or another, and certainly our our food and our water are right at the top of the list. I mean, this uh, issue of fluoride has been known since World War II. It, uh, it absolutely decimates the part of the brain that uh, we derive our initiative from and our proactivity from. It pacifies. Uh, yeah. They are now finding out that aspartame does much the same sort of thing to rats. It takes away their interest in defending their territorial areas that they uh, they will uh, in the wild, even in a cage setting. So it makes mm-hmm. rats... St- this is aspartame. Uh, yes. Nutrasweet, pushed by Don Rumsfeld and Monsanto. Uh, the toxins in our food are uh, just astounding in number and uh, and, and absolutely awesome in their in their deliberate effectiveness. Correct. Yeah, 
Yeah, they don't put it in first and then find out the effects afterwards. No, no. People understand before they put it in. Well, MSG and all the rest of it. Yeah, because as I say, these uh, psychopathic groups down through history have always tried to find ways. Uh, the ancient Egyptians used techniques on their slaves. Uh, or, or they, had, they had food worked down to a perfect uh, science. Huh. Uh -huh. What type to feed them, just uh -huh. how much to feed them, uh -huh. and what to deprive them of that would keep them sluggish of mind but fit in body. Uh, so this is an ancient science that's been used over and over and down through the ages. Yeah. Sluggish of mind and fit of body. Mm -hmm. uh, an email from one of our listeners uh, with a question. She says, I wonder what Alan's assessment is of the current psychopathic evil from a spiritual perspective. Are we in a spiritual battle with evil or are we in something else? If you boil it down to a spiritual battle now so it's with the new age spiritual means it's almost so diluted and, and uh, multifaceted it has no meaning left but, but really yes if you're at an individual level the spirit is the spark of life your initiative within you that makes you you the complete you the real ghost in the machine that's what they mean by that and um, uh, for, so it is uh, this is a battle for the sentient mind it's the last battle. It truly is the last battle. Mm. Uh, if that goes, it's game over for everything to come. Mm -hmm. uh, we are the building material for these people. That's how they see us. They can reshape us, recreate different types. That's all in the books. Mm. And uh, if we let this happen, it's game over for, for all the things we call um, humanity or humanitarian uh, abilities, the, mm -hmm. the things that give us love, pleasure, kindness, um, all of those emotions which make you a complete, total human being, uh, it's game over for that. And yes, from that side of it, it definitely is a spiritual battle. And these elite at the top certainly do have their own particular inner religion. Right. The, uh, the Patriot movement, most specifically the 9-11 Truth movement, uh, is a uh, catastrophe right now. Uh, <laughs> In my humble estimation, I think uh, it's on purpose. Uh -huh. Of course, for all the good uh, work that has been accomplished, there has been an, at least an equal amount of uh, of destruction that has been wrought uh, deliberately with great intent and malice aforethought toward many who are trying to do good work. Uh, it's uh, it's quite a, a quite an ugly automobile crash to uh, to bear witness to. Yes, I've seen the machinations of even when it's all shortwave radios and the wars they had between them over the years and the takeovers and, and just like any other business it was ruthless and the people concerned often were ruthless um, so yeah I think it's a deliberate attempt to now confuse the followers first you get the followers then you bring them into a stage of confusion this is part of a strategy as well by the way it's been used before until people don't know what to believe anymore they give up uh, and when they give up again it's like that part of the spirit dying that's what's wanted by the elite uh, uh, psychological warfare tries to defeat an enemy before you make the big move oh yeah you, you don't have to physically defeat them you take their will and their drive and their spirit away and yes. uh, it, it is in a sense a spiritual battle yes. for the 
individual spirit, if you will, and I'm talking about spirit in a, in a rather secular sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you take that drive and determination away from someone, you you effectively do uh, spay or neuter them, and and that's 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 game set and match. And that is the purpose. It's happening right now. And I was waiting for it coming um, because it's been done before. It's the normal strategy at this stage of the game because the next step of the game is going to be horror because the United States has thousands of more laws put on the books than Adolf Hitler or the Soviet Union ever have. Thousands more. You can repeat that all night long as far as I'm concerned. People have not a clue about the laws that are on the books now. Many of them are, are buried in executive orders. Many of them are appended to various pieces of legislation that, that, that no one even reads, they don't even know they're there. Uh, well, anyway... Uh, and when you, you use one right. fraction of them, and you yeah. see them used in force, yeah. you are under the biggest tyranny that's ever been devised on this planet. I'm, I'm so sorry for people who, who put their heart and soul into trying to wake others up, thinking we're going to somehow turn this around, that these evil psychopaths are going to walk voluntarily away from their their uh, captain's chairs of authority and control and life and death literally over all of us and over much of the planet. They're not going to give up. Uh, they'll take all of us down with them before giving up. That's that's my that's view. The has standard. Been for Hitler years. said it in the bunker. He said if, if the Germans couldn't become the superman and dominate the world, he said they don't, they don't deserve don't to Don't deserve live. it, yeah. yeah. Well, Hitler was by far, uh, uh, <laughs> he was not the worst of the lot in the last century. No, there no, he been... wasn't. He was one of many, in fact. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but they're all the same. They, all, they, they, they grab popular causes. They're psychopathic in nature. They know how to grab a hold of popular sentiment. True. Rise to the top and then turn it off in some odd direction to suit their own ends. And, of course, the elite at the top are no different. The only difference is they're, they're born into the families who are already wealthy and have all the advantages of power. They, they're in power already. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, you mentioned about the uh, alignment of uh, the last great war against uh, this, in this case, the last great war would be uh, West versus East, uh, the Muslims. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are uh, billions of them out there. They are... Uh, so far, uh, very unorganized. Uh, they don't show any real signs or ability of organizing and becoming a real uh, viable uh, threat, with the exception perhaps of uh, of Pakistan, but uh, that is uh, apparently so well penetrated now that I don't consider them much of a danger to anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, your, your views on this? We have just a few minutes left. Yes, that's a fact. Uh, they knew that, that eventually they'd have to destroy all of the old religions, because old religions helped to give culture to families especially families which are the remnants of tribes really and tribalism is a threat and any group that stands up and said no together is a threat so tribalism and nationalism are first cousins that's right and there and and so therefore they said that uh, uh, they'd have to destroy Christianity Christianity is so you know it's so watered down and, and so diverse now uh, you can hardly actually call it. Uh, uh, this is nothing like original Christianity at all. Correct. Uh, so the only thing that's left now uh, is Islam, and they said they'd have to completely eradicate Islam because and, it is a, a solid, viable, uh, historically accurate, yeah. if you will, religion. Absolutely. It, yeah. it is a complete culture. It still has the family unit. It still has the extended family. 
Ah, they're, still, they're still willing to stand together for each other. Mm-hmm. Whereas this world that's coming into view will have you and a computer at one stage of it and a government bureaucrat just like Orwell's uh, 84 talking directly to you, number so-and-so. Glad you mentioned Orwell. Uh, very quickly, uh, your view of Orwell and what he tried to do? and uh, Orwell he, definitely was trained he, he, to be part of this. He was picked at Cambridge, as many of them were, by an elite. Mm-hmm. He believed in what he was told. He was told it was to bring in a new, better society. Uh-huh. Uh, he was the darling of the socialist movement. Uh, he went off to fight in the Spanish Civil War. He thought the communists were good until he met them. Then he realized that the communists and the socialists and all the other groups, including the right-wing factions, the Republicans, were all being led by the same capstone. Uh-huh. When he came back to teach in the socialist groups mm-hmm. and tried to say, hey, we've all been had, uh-huh. they all turned away. He couldn't get his book published in 1984 to uh-huh. warn them, even though he had three contracts with the biggest publishers in Britain. And that's when he concluded that the publishing houses were all one group, your job was censorship, not publication. It was a done deal even back then. Yes. No. Information is power, you see. He was, a, a, I guess, in a way, an heroic man, wasn't he? He was. They, almost, they tried to kill him in the hospital for having to treat him for tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. He was hemorrhaging from every orifice when his friends pulled him out of there. Prolonged his life for how long? Um, a few years. He went up to an island off uh, Scotland. Mm-hmm. to try and get away. Um, mm-hmm. He knew eventually he'd die, uh, or they'd kill him. Mm-hmm. And he put so much into trying to tell the people, look, well, every side has been conned. There are no sides here. And he tried to tell them to regain their human values for mm-hmm. to survive. I think uh, General George Patton figured that out, too, at the end of World War II. He did. Uh-huh. And they uh, took care of him. Yes. Alan, thank you very much for the uh, wonderful conversation tonight. I look forward to another visit uh, in the future, if you would. I would be happy to do so. Very good. Uh, I wish you the best of luck. Keep me uh, posted. If there's anything I can do to help you, let me know. And in the meantime, we'll continue to send people to your website. And uh, I wish you the best. And the same to you. Thank you, Alan. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Good night. Bye now. Alan Watt. Uh, Do visit his website. Uh, has lots to say. All right, we're going to pause. Uh, 21 hours. We'll be right back with you tomorrow night. See you then.